Hi, this is Daniel Sandoval from the Sandoval Bench Podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, news, stats, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from basketball to football to soccer and esports. We've got it all on BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those on BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your phone to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. That's betonline.net. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode. You're listening to the Sandoval Bench Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Sandoval. So with respect to Damar Hamlin, I had delayed this podcast because I didn't know how to um, approach the topic of sports after what we saw Monday night. But, um, you know, so I wanted to address the situation. And given that, you know, he's breathing on his own, they removed the breathing tube and, you know, he's up and talking and stuff and he's neurologically intact. Um I think we can start talking about um, sports scenarios and stuff, but I do want to recap that that day and the play and everything and and you know the response and what happened. The Monday Night Football game against the Cincinnati Bengals and Buffalo Bills was highly anticipated. You know the Bills were you know I think they're the, they're the number two seed and the Bengals are are number three and they've been hottest team in the NFL. Um, so this was finally a good game on Monday night that we could look forward to. But, um, you know, it was 7-3 to and just a normal play, a pass to T. Higgins. And then DeMar Hamlin goes in for the tackle, um, brings him down. And kind of, he kind of gets hit in his chest, and then he's he gets up like normal, like it's just a regular play, and then he collapses. He suddenly collapses, and... Um, the broadcast Joe Buck and Troy Aikman like oh I think that's Hamlin he collapsed and you know they're uh, the medical team's going to him and then you know it seemed like seemed like normal we've seen people collapse due to a concussion or something like that or they're walking around kind of wobbly that's initially what I thought it was but then they showed the replay he wasn't hit in the head at all it was just it seemed like a normal tackle um, wasn't it an egregious hit or anything like that. But then I think it changed for everyone once we saw that they were administering CPR on DeMar Hamlin. And you couldn't really see what the players were seeing, but we could see the players' reactions. And the, the players just started crying. And their reaction was like someone had died. you know. And essentially... He was, I mean, he didn't have brain function for 10 minutes and seven minutes or something like that. And they had to bring back his breathing. He suffered cardiac arrest on the field. And his uncle had said um, he he was cardiac arrest again at the hospital. They had to bring back his breathing twice. So he couldn't breathe on his own. And they, ha- they were performing CPR. We'd never seen that. Usually in the NFL, you see an injury. Someone tears an ACL or they get hit hard. You put them on the stretcher. They give a thumbs up. Hey, I'm okay. You know, I'll, you know, all things considered, you know, I'm all right. I'm awake and all this. I'm alert. You know, 
I immediately thought about Ryan Shazier because it was five years to the day on Monday Night Football. I think it was Cincinnati and uh, Pittsburgh. It was in, in Cincinnati, I believe, where he had the weird tackle and he kind of landed awkwardly and then he he has his career is over after that he had to regain you know uh the ability to walk and was kind of paralyzed stuff now he's walking stuff but he can never play again and doesn't have probably doesn't have the same uh movement ability you know as he had before um so i immediately thought of that but this was different though because i've never seen someone you know, had to be, had to have CPR performed on them on the field like that, um, and they, you know, the medical team rushed over to to help him, and so I was like, well, this this is different, you know. Even like the concussions we've seen or the hits we've seen with Tua, that made me uncomfortable with the way his fingers were and like he was collapsing. Same with like, um, you know, he got dizzy. Same with Patrick Mahomes they had to hold him up. That made me feel uncomfortable because I'm like, okay, something's wrong right something's wrong with you know they're concussed and they shouldn't be playing but then they get back in the game that i don't, I don't like that but this one was like like I, we might have seen somebody die on monday night football that's how it felt and then because of the way that the players were reacting i got chills on my back and i was just like i was watching it and i thought it was a normal tackle it was like it was down and then joe buck and troy were talking about it then i had to rewind it i'm like this play looks normal what's happening and then, you know, they have ambulance and there's a long pause and they they went to commercial like five times during that time, which is usually during the injury. It's like one commercial guy gets on a stretcher. Every, everyone's on the knee. Everyone cheers. We're like so, you know, it's so ordinary for that to happen. You know, there's a big hit. We're like, oh, OK, let's clap. Hopefully he's OK. Praying for my brother, all this people are on their knees. Fans start cheering. But then we move on. Right. It's just like, OK, that's just part of it. You know, we know the risks of of playing football and, you know, it's like a it's like a car accident every time you you um, tackle someone. Right. But, you know, again, the, the CPR was different and I was just feeling like, like something something's wrong here. You know, it was a normal tackle and this is happening that like this it wasn't like a normal hit. It wasn't it didn't see it wasn't a head injury or anything. Um, so the medical team, you know, they rush and and then they bring they take him to the hospital. And the game was obviously stopped, and I couldn't take my eyes off ESPN because um, they were they were following it. And shout out to ESPN the way that they handled it. I thought they handled it well because um, I mean, in that situation, there's nothing else. There's no other way you can really handle it. You don't prepare for this. But they kicked it back to the studio with Susie Colbert and um, Booger McFarland was was great talking about this he was very emotional as a as a former football player thinking hey this could happen this could have happened to me and stuff and you know speaking from the player's perspective um and adam Schefter was there i fucking i usually hate adam Schefter, but you know he was he was good talking about this discussion you know not not talking about football the playoff scenarios or whatever because this is a this was a game for potential playoff seeding um but I respected the way that they handled it. Um, there was only so much they can say because there was no, there was no like you know current updates or anything. Demar Hamlin was was headed to the hospital, and you know they they had they had no news. No one had any news, and they didn't know what what else to talk about. Then they kicked it over to Scott Van Pelt, who handled it very well too. I thought that was um, 
that was brilliant to handle it in a, in a way of crisis. That was that was the ESPN's finest moment. You know, I've, I grew up on ESPN. I've had my issues with ESPN as of late. Um, they kind of steered away from what made ESPN great and what made everyone who watched want to work in sports or, you know, want to digest sports in so many ways. Um, but just the way that they handled it was like, hey, you know, we have, we have to talk about a young man's life here. And um, Scott Van Pelt was great about it. But Ryan Clark was just amazing in in what he, what he was saying uh, about the situation we're talking about a human being this isn't about nfl um this isn't about a game or anything and you know i've been in that locker room been in the hospital you know i didn't at that age you know he was saying he didn't realize he could die at 24 playing football and um you know this is a guy demar hamlin who's you know he was drafted late in the nfl and um you know he's even posted a lot like hey you know i know the risk but you know, I know I can die, but I'm risking, you know, to to earn millions and stuff, and I'm prepared to take that risk. He posted stuff like that like weeks before this happened, and I mean, this could happen at any time, right? But um, yeah, Ryan Clark was just great uh, discussing this topic, and he, the way he was, just the the words that he was sharing. Um, if you have time, you can look it up. If you weren't watching it, it was just. Um, it was very well done by him. It's just something you can't prepare for. But um, since that happened, you know, there was a lot of um, a lot of questioning on, you know, what to do with with the game, you know, and and I, I don't I don't want, you know, NFL and all that to discuss what happened with the game. But the thing that bothered me was, um, you know, Troy Aikman and. Uh, Joe Buck, you know, they get information, they get stuff in their ear that they say. And Joe Buck said, oh, okay, we're being told. So they sent everyone to the locker rooms, right? And um, they, he said, oh, you know, everyone's given five minutes to warm up and regroup, and then they're going to continue playing this game. They said that like three, four times. And, and then you see Joe Burrow out there throwing passes. The guys come out of the locker room. And I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm like, there's no way they, they're going to play this game. No way. They just administered, administered CPR to a player on the field. How can you continue to play a game after you, you don't know the status of your teammate's health? He's in critical condition. He was just, he can't breathe on his own. He has a breathing tube. And they, they just did CPR on him on the field. He couldn't breathe. Like they had to bring back his breathing, his heartbeat. How can you continue to play the game? After, after just witnessing that. And the players are emotional. There's no way you can play this game. And But no, that was what was being reported. They said, that, oh, you have five minutes. But then, so they got on the field. Uh, head coach uh, Doug McDermott of the Buffalo Bills and Zach Taylor, Cincinnati Bengals, they met at the at, at midfield. And they were kind of hiding what they were saying. And then they got off the field. Then they're probably by the locker rooms and stuff, and they're they're passing the phone to each other, probably like a a, a high up executive in the NFL. I think they were being told to play the game, and I think I kudos to Doug McDermott and Zach Taylor for the leadership that they displayed. By I think it was up to them and the players to say, "Hey, we're not playing this game." I think they refused to play the game, and this is something that's not getting discussed enough. I don't think, but. Um, you know, Doug McDermott was like, yeah, we're not playing this game. There's no way. And I think they put the kibosh on the NFL making them continue to play on. Because the NFL was 
telling them to do that. What? Because if then um, Troy Vincent, he's he works with the NFL, and he said that no one had no one told ESPN or said anything about a five minute warm up period and then a, a play on scenario. But then why would Joe Burrow be warming up? And he even like he alluded to hearing about a five minute warm up period to continue to play the game. And why would Joe Buck say that four times? If it didn't come from the NFL, it came from someone, and someone told, said, uh, someone told that to the producers who told Joe Buck to say that on air four different times, and someone told the players that, and they, there's a reason why they were warming up to continue to play because they thought that they were going to have to play because I believe that they heard that from the NFL, and um, yeah, just inc- I have incredible respect for Zach Taylor and Doug McDermott in that situation. And the players for refusing to play essentially, and because they they want they can't continue to play the game. They need to know the status of their teammate and their fellow, uh, you know, brother there in the in the in the NFL. And there was no status. There was no update. How could you continue to play a game like that when someone potentially died on the field, and then you're gonna keep playing the game that potentially killed them? I just I just don't understand that for the NFL. Um, and then the NFL of course denied it. ESPN stood by the report that they heard that there was a five-minute warm-up period. Um, but I think the players and the coaches handled this perfectly. Um, you know, the the athletic trainers handled this perfectly. Um, you know, they said that, the doctors said that they saved his life. The Bills assistant athletic trainer, Denny Kellington, in particular, he, he was fast in helping DeMar Hamlin and he he saved his life and he was the hero in the situation and I looked into it a little bit more this wasn't an NFL related injury this could happen in a variety of sports it can happen in baseball if you get hit um, by a pitch in the um, in the chest this could happen in like in wrestling this could happen in any other sports basically with your heartbeat when at a certain time if you get hit at the right moment when your you when your heart is off beat you can it can cause cardiac arrest and blunt force trauma and it's like it's it's just like a perfect storm scenario where this can happen and it can happen at any moment in any other sport because at first I was like this is an NFL injury um NFL needs to help players with player safety which this is supposed to be the safest time to play football basically but this could happen in any other sport and it's just a random perfect storm situation where it any moment which is scary and it could happen to anyone and um yeah but the update is that he they removed he was in intensive care or critical condition for a few days he wasn't talking he wasn't awake and he wasn't breathing on his own but now he's breathing on his own the the breathing tube was removed um, he just FaceTime with, with his teammates and, um, he, he's talking to his team and his, um, his family and, um, it's just amazing. And he has, he's neurologically intact. So there's, there seems to be no brain damage. Um, but they're going to continue monitoring him and he's still in the hospital, but he seems to be okay right now. And that's just amazing news um yeah cuz I, I think i think a lot of players are going to be questioning if they want to continue playing after this because of what they witnessed and 
it was a standalone game, so everyone was watching kind of thing. It was a big game, you know, Bills and Bengals, and uh, it was tough to see. It was like, wait, what, what's happening here, you know? And I thought I've seen it all in the NFL, but I've never seen someone have, like, have CPR done on them during a game. And 1971, a player died on the field, and the NFL, the game went on, and he died on the field. And, you know, me, or, you know, medical teams and all that stuff is way advanced now. And But there was a similar thing that happened. Like, the NFL was telling them to continue to play. I sta- I believe that from ESPN. I stand by I stand by Joe Burrow saying that. Um, T. Higgins, people are attacking T. Higgins because he was the one that was being tackled by DeMar Hamlin. It, he didn't, there's nothing he did. Bart Scott was wrong. He said that uh, T. Higgins causes by lowering his shoulder. It's a football play. It wasn't nothing egregious about it. It didn't look out of the ordinary. It looked like a normal play. Things just happen. Um, but yeah, it, it, not a football injury, but it, it was tough. Um, and there's also a toy drive that DeMar Hamlin um, had started. He had a GoFundMe. His goal was $2,500 um, You know to provide toys for uh, kids in his area of Pittsburgh. He's from Pittsburgh. He went to University of Pittsburgh because he wanted people from Pittsburgh to be proud of Pittsburgh. Um, You know, seems like a great kid. He's 24. Can I call him a kid because I'm a few years older? Um, But he's a second-year player. And um, that toy drive is at $8 million now. Because all teams and players, coaches, all these people have been donating to his toy drive. So he's going to, once he's been able to walk and do all his stuff again, he's going to see that he was supported by the NFL and fans and, you know, every, all these people across the country. And he's going to have $8 million, probably going to be north of nine once this is all done. And uh, he's going to have a lot of toys to give to the to the people, uh, to the kids in the Pittsburgh area. Um and so the NFL, they decided to um, cancel the game. Essentially, they were they were going to postpone it, but they canceled it. So there's some scenarios where, you know, if the if the Ravens beat the Bengals in Week 18, then um, the Bengals have to they have to decide if they get home field advantage by a coin flip because the Bills and the Bengals have one less game. But I don't know. It, it's just a tough situation. So like they they just kind of had a figure it out on the fly but i guess that's the best they could do like the Bengals kind of get they kind of get the shorter than the stick in that situation but you don't you don't prepare for this you don't plan for this um you couldn't really postpone the games or push it back a week then that would like kind of throw off the whole schedule i think it was best that they just canceled it there's no way that they can go back and play this game um but yeah that's that was the that was the, the situation with demar hamlin so we just hope you know, he's able to, you know, live his life like he was before. I don't know if he continues playing, you know. That's something that he'd have to sit and think about because he is so young and, like, to almost lose your life at 24 is just so scary. Um, but I wanted to address that, and I, I think, I think yeah, I think with him being, you know, being on the on the way to, to being fully healthy, you know, he's breathing on his own stuff. Um, I feel we can discuss the topic of sports um, as we would normally would. Um, so I will. Uh, I'm going to discuss some NBA stuff here. So, you know, the night that that happened, you know, there was some um, 
there's some big scoring outputs from you know certain players in the NBA. In the NBA, there's been like no defense whatsoever. Um, you know, Laurie Markkinen scored 49 points. Laurie Markkinen, I love Laurie Markkinen. I've always liked him as a player uh, coming out of Arizona, but damn, 49 points for him. I did not know that he could do that. <clears throat> Clay Thompson is back officially uh, with Steph Curry. Yeah, he scored 54 points the other night on two free throw attempts, which is the most impressive 50-plus point game this season because he didn't have a lot of free throws. He doesn't shoot a lot of free throws. He doesn't get to the line that much. Uh, Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, he did score 71 points that same night, but he had 23. He had 20 free throws. So, I mean, come on. That's different. That's a that's a whole 20-point swing. Without that, he'd be at 51 points. Like, okay. And Clay Thompson was at 56 or 54. I think, I think it was 54 with on uh, with two free throws, you know. And then, like, the next night he scores 30 points. I think he's officially back offensively. They've been relying on him heavily in in a lot of games to to be the main offensive um, weapon there. Um, and then, you know, the Nets they weren't they're winners of they won twelve of their last thirteen games. They are hot, hot, hot in the East. Um, Kevin Durant has been playing really well. Uh, Kyrie Irving is just putting his head down and playing basketball and he's been amazing. They're 26 and 13 now second in the East. This was, this is why it was so hard to, um, quantify how, how good they might be this year because I'm like, I don't know if, you know, they're going to just get rid of Kyrie and like what's going to happen with the KD situation. They're second in the East. They could, um, the Celtics are 27 and 12. Who've been, they've been great. Uh, Bucks just got blown out by um, by Charlotte. Charlotte scored 84 points in the first half. Like what? What happened to Milwaukee's defense? Giannis scored nine points. Um, the Cavaliers are 25 and 15. I really like the Cavaliers this year. Donovan Mitchell, that 71 point game. He's really good in the pick and roll offense uh, with the Cavaliers. That's what's been like deadly for them. Like they're the the two highest players or top three. I think two of them the combos are with Donovan Mitchell in the pick and roll offense with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And that's been key to their offense. Um, he's been a lot better than I thought he would be with the Cavaliers. I thought he'd be good with the Cavaliers, but man, because we you know in Utah, I liked him. I liked Utah. I was just like, man, they're missing something. There's something going on here because I feel like Donovan Mitchell isn't taking them to that next step that I expect them to. Like he has it, but he hasn't taken him to like a conference finals. And that's what I'm, that was, I was expecting from him early on. Cause I'm like, he's man, he's showing a lot of maturity. He's like far more advanced than the other young guys. Um, and it just felt like he was missing something. But now I think it's because I feel like Rudy Gobert was holding him back because he wasn't a scoring big and Donovan Mitchell, he's a player that needs a scoring big so he could use, you could utilize the pick and roll more. He's a good pick and roll player, and you're seeing that in Cleveland. They have scoring bigs and they have some shooting wings, and the pick and roll is really effective with them. And he's able to score, get other guys involved. His assist numbers are up. Um, he, I think he's truly an MVP candidate because of the way he's turned around, turned this team around. They were good last year, had a great start, but then they kind of faltered, you know, late in the season, and um, they weren't as good early on, but. If Donovan Mitchell could keep this consistency with them, um, I think they could. Um, he could be in the MVP race because it's a new team, just got traded over there, and it's complete transformation 
I mean, 71 points. I know it's the 20 free throws, but still 71 points to go to overtime and win that game is crazy. Um, let's see who else. And then the West, the West is kind of crazy. You know, Grizzlies are winners of five straight, second in the West at 25 and 13. John Morant did make comments on, uh, uh, not Joy Taylor. Who's the other one? Taylor Rooks. He's like, oh, we're fine in the West. You know, it's like, okay, like you guys have it. You guys haven't even gone to the gone to the conference finals yet. Like, what are you talking about? You're fine in the West, but you know they're good in the regular season. Let's see if they can continue that throughout the postseason. Nuggets. Nikola Jokic is still just amazing. Triple doubles here, triple doubles there. Jamal Murray's got he's getting his full legs under him. Uh, they're playing really well. I still think they're gonna come out of the. Uh, they're gonna win, win the West as far as record wise in the regular season, twenty six and thirteen. The Pelicans are still up there. Uh, Mavericks Luca has been just amazing since the 60 point game. He had a 50 burger, a couple 30 point games here and there. Um, the Suns have lost five straight since um, Devin Booker is out. I think he's out for like about a month. They're 20 and 20, losers of five straight. The Warriors, before losing last night, were winners of five straight in this homestand, barely lost to the, to the uh, Pistons on a late night, uh, on a, a last minute last second buzzer beater uh but it was because of a turnover from jordan Poole. jordan Poole, we're having we're seeing him be point guard a lot in the situation because steph curry's out i gotta i gotta say man you know i like jordan Poole, but he's not a point guard his like the way that he controls the offense is just not it's not good i don't like it like he kind of holds the ball too much he does too much too much dribbling doesn't pass and move enough and then late in games he tries to play hero ball and he turns the ball over and then that's how the the pistons won he'll make a a boneheaded decision here and there like late in games and like he, he he's feeling himself too much he shoots too much he's still doing like young guy uh basketball moves where he's not fully mature yet it's gonna take some time it looks like um but i, I don't i don't really like when he controls the offense's point guard like there needs to be another point guard he needs to play off ball more um because when he's controlling the pace like it just like the ball kind of stops and that's not how the Warriors play and I don't I don't like when they play like that um but yeah they seem to be finally gaining their stride uh Dante DiVincenzo has been great defensively he's making some big shots um they give him a lot of minutes to relying on him a lot um I thought that was just a great signing because he can kind of do everything he could defend he could rebound he could hit some threes, and that's what they needed. Um, their bench is finally, finally like filling up. You know the stat sheet, playing well, making smart plays. Um, some struggling teams. The Lakers are still struggling, even though they've won four straight, but they're still in twelfth place. So they have a lot of uh, ground to catch up there. And Anthony Davis is still out. Timberwolves right there, eleven spot. Uh, Jazz kind of falling back down to earth 2021. So are the Blazers, uh, 1919. Um, yeah, the, the West has been pretty up and down. You had the Suns in first place for a while. Now they're in sixth place. Um, yeah, but uh, let's start checking with the NBA. Um, so some MB MLB news. We had the Carlos Correa situation. Remember, you know, the Giants backed out and everyone made fun of the Giants. Well, the Mets were gonna. They signed him. Then the Mets are kind of backing out uh, because of the physical, and you know they're very frustrated with him and his team. And um, his team is talking to other teams 
about a contract, and the Mets might just walk away from this deal altogether. If I am any of these team, I would just offer him a three-year, $100 million contract. That's it. We get the best three years of your career, probably, because after that, you're going to have some serious issues with your back. You're going to be on the IL all the time. I would just offer him that. And if he doesn't want it, like he's not going to, I don't know what he wants from this. Like, does he, like the Twins offered him apparently like a 10 year deal or something, but like with less money. He played for the Twins. Do the Twins not know about his, his back issue? Like, I don't, I don't understand why they would still offer him a contract. So they must have felt good enough about it to offer him a contract or they're desperate enough and don't care. He might go back to the Mets. I don't know what other teams he's talking to. I think the Giants are completely out of it now. The Mets might be out of it as well because he wants a long-term deal. But after all this stuff, what 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 team is is like easily gonna gonna offer him a, a long-term deal? There's no way unless there's like an opt-out clause. Oh, this is what I would do: a 10-year deal, opt-out clause after the fourth year or something like that. And then you could determine, you know, if he's injured a lot, then you opt out. And then you guys both, you know, it's a it's a uh, it's a team option. And then you opt out of it, and you're done. And then he can he can go sign somewhere else if he like to, but but yeah, it's just a weird situation. I'm okay with the Giants not signing him because it seems like there's some serious problems there, and he is right. Um, what else? Uh, Trevor Bauer, if you guys remember him, uh, Giants pitcher. He or not Giants pitcher, a uh, Dodgers pitcher, also pitched for the Reds, and um, you know he was he was like the the hottest free agent. And, you know, there was the sexual assault allegations. Um, you know, I think the charges were dropped or the case was dismissed, something like that. But uh, he was on he was on extended leave from MLB. He hadn't pitched in like a year and a half. Um, and the Dodgers had until the 6th to make a decision. Uh, if they wanted him on his roster, it, was, it would have been fully guaranteed. They decided to cut bait with him. And so they released him. But I, I don't know if... Do you think another team... I don't know if another team is actually going to make uh, make a move on him and sign him. Because I, I wouldn't. <clears throat> you know, the evidence is damning. Maybe there was a settlement outside of court. But you could still see the text messages. Like, she was still abused, I believe. And I just... I wouldn't want... I wouldn't want that, that person on my team. Um... But you know, oh, I want I did want to address uh, address something with the Warriors that I I've been meaning to address is um, Anthony Lamb is a bench player for the Warriors and his his college girlfriend accused him of rape and um, he's being sued for that. The Warriors haven't really addressed it and it's bothering me and it's still you know it's that happened in December like early December. No one has addressed it. He's still on the team. Um, I think, you know, her story is believable and I want to see how the case goes, but if she says that she was raped or then something, something happened and I think he needs to acknowledge it. I think that the team needs to acknowledge it, address it and handle the situation. Um, I would cut bait with him. I don't, I don't want to root for someone like that. I don't want someone representing the franchise that's associated with that at all. But he's still on the team. It's been a month and a half, and it doesn't seem like anything is going to happen. Um, so I'm disappointed in the Warriors organization because usually they they seem like they're ahead of the curve. They stand by what they say. They're light years ahead. If they're light years ahead, 
you know, you would cut this guy because you don't want it. You don't want anyone associated with that to be, to wear that, that uniform represent your, your team. And, you know, have people having to see that, that guy on TV playing for your team. Like, I just, I don't, I don't understand it. Um, so I have a problem with that. Um, but back to, back to baseball. I don't think, yeah, I don't think Trevor Bauer is getting signed by anyone. Um, but we'll see. It might've been, you know, enough time between then to where um, a, a team might be willing to sign him. Um, so there was some college football games. Um, these happened while I was at work. So I didn't get to fully embrace these games and, and watch them, um, you know, as I would have liked to, which sucks because they were both great games. You had the Peach Bowl between Ohio State and Georgia. Georgia barely escaped 42-41 to 41 due to a a missed field goal by Ohio State. Um, so they will play TCU in the championship. TCU beat Michigan 51 of 45. TCU was all over Michigan early on in the game. Michigan was struggling to put some good drives together, but then Michigan came back, and man, that game was a thriller. Uh, TCU won 51 of 45. First time in a while where we had both semi playoff, uh, semi championship games. That were just great shootout games, and I missed them both because I was at work. Um, and then the other one was like late in New Year's Eve, and you know, have some plans, and it's just I missed it, so it was tough. Um, but yeah, the championship game, I will I will watch the championship game that is on Monday at 4 30. I'm off on Monday, so I'm gonna watch that game. Uh, TCU in Georgia. Georgia's favored by 12 and a half points. Uh, TCU's getting no love. Um, if you want to bet on that, it's a plus three thirty, three hundred thirty for TCU. So you could win some, you could win some good money there. Um, as far as some of the bowl games, you had Penn State beating Utah in the Rose Bowl by a lot, thirty five twenty one. Not a good look for Pac twelve. Tulane number sixteen. Tulane beat uh, number ten USC forty six forty five in the Cotton Bowl. In which you know Caleb Williams for USC played, and um, you know they had a late season collapse, man. You know just you, losing Utah, losing now in the championship game, and then losing the bowl game too. Like come on, and they had all their they had their starters playing. Uh, Tennessee beat Clemson. Clemson had no show that no fight in them. Only scored fourteen points in the Orange Bowl, thirty one fourteen. Tennessee playing with a backup quarterback, just embarrassing for Clemson. Uh, Clemson's not all the way back from that. Uh, Sugar Bowl. Alabama winning forty-five to twenty, dominating Kansas State, as everyone as, as everyone would have guessed. Um, let's see any other good ones. Washington beat Texas in the Alamo Bowl. It seems like Texas is always in the Alamo Bowl. Like it's just a home game for them. They play in Austin normally, but then the Alamo Bowl is in San Antonio. It's always it's just a home game for them. Um, and it's weird how they always get picked to to be in the in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, Oregon. Uh, they won 28 to 27 against North Carolina. Last minute drive by Bo Nix, just an amazing drive by him. Um, so great job there. But yeah, some there's some good some good bowl games. Looking forward to the college football championship game. Um, some NFL news before everything happened. Um, Derek Carr was benched for Jared Stidham in Week 17. You know, um, Derek Carr has been struggling a lot. He's been terrible. You know. 24 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. He had thrown seven touchdowns and seven interceptions, I want to say, in the last three weeks. He's been really bad. Uh, he's been overthrowing everybody, just 
he has great leadership qualities, but he's just not the guy as far as quarterback goes. But the way the Raiders handled this was embarrassing, and I just didn't like it. Some guy you commit to and all this stuff, Josh McDaniels, oh, I like Derek Carr, this is why I came. Then you bench him for Jared Stidham week 17. Like, what? You're not even going to – then he's away from the team because he doesn't want to be a distraction or whatever. But I just – I don't like the way that they handled that. Um, it was embarrassing. Obviously, they're going to trade him, but it just makes your organization look bad, you know. And he's been there for, what, eight, nine years, and that's how you're going to end it. Like, uh, I just don't like it. Devontae Adams went there because of Derek Carr. He's, like, the true leader of the team. And then for you to – Treat the leader of the team that way. It just uh, I just didn't like it. But um, I don't. Something needs to change, though. You know, like I said, if I was uh, if I was Mark Davis, I'd fire Josh McDaniels. I'd trade Derek Carr and I'd try to bring another quarterback, another coach, because Josh McDaniels not a head coach. Like we know that he's a great offensive coordinator, but he's not. He's not a head coach, man. He fails everywhere he goes as a head coach. I had this team winning over eleven games. Just like Nathaniel Hackett and the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson. I'm like, oh, man, over 11 games. Yeah, for sure. I had everyone in that division like just playing really well. Above 500, obviously. But then, no, uh, that didn't end up happening. Uh, but Jared Stidham had a great game. You know, um, went to overtime with the 49ers. And I think for the Raiders, you know, obviously they're going to trade Derek Carr. Some potential suitors, probably the the Indianapolis Colts. They like trading for the the veteran quarterback who isn't going to do anything and is going to fail. The best one they've had is was Philip Rivers, but um, I just obviously it's over uh, for Derek Carr as a Raider. Um, yeah, probably the Colts, uh, maybe like the Commanders because the Commanders they don't know what they're doing with Taylor Heineke and. Um, Carson Wentz. They went back to Carson Wentz. He throws two interceptions and in a game they need to win to make the playoffs. Everyone's booing Wentz, calling for Heineke. They're chanting Heineke, Heineke, and they still stick with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz obviously loses the game as Carson Wentz does. And then they go back to Heineke for week uh was it week seventeen or week eighteen? And I'm just, I'm so confused. I love Ron Rivera. He showed great leadership and stuff, but like, what are you doing? Like, that was just a bad move. Don't go back to Carson Wentz. Heineke had the hot hand. You got to ride the hot hand. So maybe that's a potential suitor for Derek Carr. But, you know, you're probably going to have the same issues with Derek Carr. Um, yeah, because they're they're a great team other other than the quarterback. And the quarter, If they had a quarterback, they'd be, they'd be a 10-11 game team win. And they'd make the playoffs. But, you know, without the quarterback, they can't really do much, you know. Um, so... Maybe Derek Carr goes there. As for the Raiders, you know, there was that rumor about Tom Brady potentially going to the Raiders and uh, they were going to bring in Josh McDaniels. They brought in Josh McDaniels and apparently Dana White said he was negotiating the deal to bring Brady to Vegas. Like, I don't know why they would need Dana White to broker the deal, but that's what Dana White said. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if he has a reason to lie about it, but maybe. But now... Since you have Josh McDaniels there, you have a bunch of weapons there. You know, Josh Jacobs had a career year. You have Darren Waller there, who's a good tight end if, if he's in the right system. He's been down this year. Hunter Renfro caught over 100 balls last year. Struggled this year. Devontae Adams has still had a great year. Most targets in the NFL still had a great year. That defense is good. You know, you have a, you have a quality defense there. They just need a quarterback. So if Brady goes there, they could probably do some damage in the AFC. 
it I don't know <clears throat> early on the season I thought Brady was going to retire this season especially after the divorce and stuff but I'm getting the sense that he's going to keep playing I don't think he's actually going to get you know get the urge to retire he's just I think he's still playing on he's enjoying it he's not playing terribly he's not playing like great Brady obviously because he's 40 44 or whatever but I think he might play next year and that's what everyone that's what all the other people are saying there's no indication that he's actually going to retire another thing to keep an eye on is Sean Payton Sean Payton has been on the Fox broadcast but you know I I listened to what podcast was it? he was on I think it was on Bill Simmons or something but he was talking about, or I don't know, Dan Patrick, something like that. But he was talking about how, you know, he's just taking the year and he could potentially coach in the future. I think he was putting some feelers out, see if someone might contact him. Um, and there was a report that he's putting his staff together about who he would like to coach with. If I am, there's a handful of teams that need a true head coach and a, an amazing play caller like Sean Payton, Super Bowl champion. Um, you know, orchestrated those those great Saints offenses that that they had in New Orleans, and but you know the the Saints have them under contract, so you'd have to trade for Sean Payton. But I'm gonna give you so the Chargers have you know I was done with the Chargers, um, and but now they're in the playoffs. They're playing a little bit better. I still can't fully trust them, but they're easily the fourth best team in the AFC, which might not say much because you know you have the Chiefs, Bengals, and and the Bills. Um, so, you know, I felt like, what's his name? Don Staley, is that the head coach? Not Don Staley. Something Staley, is that the head coach of uh, the Chargers? If he had lost like three straight games, you know, over the past few weeks, and if they were out of the playoffs, he would have gotten fired. And Or Deuce Staley, I think that's his name. And if he would have gotten fired. And if they, if they fired him, the first person I'm calling, I'm calling the New Orleans Saints. I'm like, hey, man. How could I get Sean Payton? I have a great quarterback in Justin Herbert. I have Austin Eckler. I have a great defense. I have Bosa. I have, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, I have Mike Williams. I have um, I have some great receivers too that need to stay healthy. But that we've had, we have had some injuries, right? And I just need to, I just need a good play caller to keep us in the games. Win last minute games. You know, we need a, a, a coach that's not going to collapse in the fourth quarter. I would trade trade a first round pick for Sean Payton if I'm the the Chargers. If I could get Sean Payton for five year contract and I have Justin Herbert, you know, ascending the way he is, I still have Austin Eckler, you know, I still have all these weapons. Um, then I I would do that. I would trade a first round pick if I could get Sean Payton for five years because this team is set. They're a deep team. And, you know, I just think that they just haven't had the right coach or the right play caller. Like, they're not letting Herbert fully take over the offense. And I think Champagne would be the guy to do that. Um, if I'm the Cowboys, I'd probably do that. But the Cowboys are probably sticking with Mike McCarthy because they keep making the playoffs. But if I'm the Chargers and I still make, and I make the playoffs, I would still fire my coach, Staley, and I would still hire Champagne if I could trade for him. Because, I mean, th- that's a coach that could take you over the top. You know, he's been there before. He's won a Super Bowl. And you're just, I think you're just a coach away, which is weird to say. You're a coach away from the Chargers to get you there. Because, I mean, everything else is in place. You know, you have a number one receiver, number two receiver. You have everything. Defense is there. Derwin James is there. When he's healthy, he's great. 
Um, but yeah, I, that's that's who I would call. Um, the Broncos, I don't know if he wants that Broncos job, but if I'm the Broncos, I'm, I'm calling Sean Payne. I'm calling the Saints. I'm trading for him because, you know, you need someone offensively who can who can call the right plays and help Russell Wilson at this point. Um, that's who I would call. If I'm the Raiders, I'd fire Josh McDaniels. I'd bring in Sean Payne. Uh, this, is how, this is what I think of Sean Payne. I think Sean Payne is a great coach. He's, he was one of the best coaches in the NFL when he was coaching. Um, I think he has a great offensive mind. I think... People have been focusing more on the Shanahan's and the McVeighs and you know the Zach Taylors and all that stuff of the world, but Sean Payton is he's up there as uh, he's he's better than like than than the top ten percent of the coaches in the NFL right now. I think what other what other teams like I mean you could he could easily get that Panthers job. But I don't think he wants that Panthers job. I think he wants a team with you know an established quarterback or a quarterback that has been good before. Like, you know, that's why I mentioned the Broncos because Russell Wilson is a Super Bowl champion. They've, they've been, they've had deep playoff runs, you know, and I just think, you know, maybe he can, he can revive him because they have four more years left on that contract. But, um, so I would call him. I would see if I can trade for him. He might go back to the Saints. Um, but that's a coach to keep an eye on because um, he's just his big fish is hanging around hanging around um what other co- what other teams here you know this is a scenario where the colts obviously with jeff saturday that was a disaster so you know the colts could be an option but that team is just a wreck i wouldn't want to coach that team also the commanders i don't know if he'd want to coach the commanders another team i don't know if people are talking about this but what if bill belichick retires after this year or the year after what if they just brought in sean payton and Sean Payne was the next long-standing coach there in New England. You know, I would consider it because in New England, like all these other like assistant coaches and stuff, you have no one that's gonna be able to fulfill fill the shoes of of Bill Belichick and really fulfill like that those responsibilities that you know and the the the, the stature that Bill Belichick has because you know all the assistants have this just been kind of they've just been bad you know matt patricia can't you know he can't run a play on offense their offense has struggled a lot but um maybe that's a guy that they look at to you know to be the replacement the long-term replacement for bill belichick because i don't think they have a true plan in place but um yeah just something to keep an eye on um let's see so we're in the last week of the nfl season regular season week 18 and there's a lot on the line still so in the afc you know they they moved the uh, this is Saturday primetime game, the eight and eight Jacksonville Jaguars take on the seven and nine Tennessee Titans. The Titans have been terrible. They've lost six straight games. Remember the last time we talked about the Titans after that win streak? I was like, oh man, you know what? They were really good against the Chiefs. Ryan Tannehill's been great. They're you know um, what's his name? Uh, Matt Vrabel, coach of the year. Matt Vrabel is still a great coach, and I think he's he's done a great job there but the talent isn't there Malik Willis is he's not a good quarterback right now he's so raw he's just not ready for the moment they just have Derrick Henry that they need to rely on but of course in AFC South fashion whoever wins this game wins the division and gets the fourth seed in the playoffs um so that's tragic uh the but the Jaguars are obviously going to win that they're winners of four straight Doug Peterson has transformed Trevor Lawrence but they're still not they're not like a great team yet, but they're, I think they're going to surprise some people in the playoffs. So eight and eight, like the games that they lose, like, Oh man, they lost. Like they look terrible. And then the games that they win, like, Whoa, check out Jacksonville. But 
a lot on the line still. Yeah, the Patriots in the seventh spot. Let's talk about how bad they are, but they're in the playoffs right now. Defended today, eight and eight. I think that's how it's going to end. I think either the Steelers or the Patriots are going to make the playoffs. And it, I mean, the Patriots play the Bills though, and the Bills after the Demar Hamlin thing, I I would bet on them a million times to win that game. There's no way the Patriots are winning that game. So with the Steelers, the Steelers have won three straight. The Steelers are going to win their last game, I believe, and they're going to be nine and eight, and they're going to clinch the playoffs. The Dolphins have lost five straight. Tua is not even playing Week 18, I don't think. Um, so if that, because he has a third concussion of the year, um, so I think the Dolphins are out, unfortunately. Even though, man, they were so fun to watch earlier this season. Tyree Kill was explosive. That running game, yeah, like three different running backs. You know, Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mozart. The, the corpse of Raheem Mozart still playing well. Jalen Waddell. Uh, but, man, they've lost five straight. They need a healthy Tua, though. Tua was you know in the MVP conversation early on, and then he had a few bad games, and then three bad games, and then got injured again. But the Steelers, I thought they were done. I thought they were done, but it looks like the Steelers might get that wild card spot at a seven. Yeah, I just don't think the Patriots are beating the Bills. Um I think the, but you know, you have three hottest teams for one through three in the AFC. The Chiefs winners of four straight, Bills winners of six straight, Bengals winners of seven straight. Um, so I, it's just going to be really good uh, playoff to watch with uh, the AFC. But like I said, if the Ravens beat the Bengals, then the coin flip, a coin flip is going to decide home field advantage. Um, I don't believe in the Ravens at all this year. They're 10-6. Lamar Jackson hasn't been healthy yet. Um, I think I believe in the Chargers more. But like I said about the Chargers, I just I can't trust them. I've always I've, I bet them, and then I'm like, oh, I think the Chargers this is the year they're gonna go to the Super Bowl, and then they just they just falter. Um, the more established teams, teams, Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals, that's who's gonna do it. Um, I I just am excited for Justin Herbert to get in the playoffs. I want to see him unleashed. You know, he plays well in big games um, and I'm excited for him, but I just, I don't, I don't see it this year. I would, I just, I really want the Chargers to call Sean Payton and call the Saints and trade for Sean Payton. I would just love to see that. I'm stuck on that. That would just be, that'd be a dream scenario for, for Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. As far as the NFC goes, NFC has been exciting. Um, You have the Eagles, They've lost two straight because Jalen Hurts has been out, but they're 13-3. and three. They just need to win the game, and they get the number one seed. But guess who's knocking on the door for that number one seed? It's the San Francisco 49ers and Brock Purdy. Kyle Shanahan and that offense have just been amazing. Uh, Nick Bosa, NFL Defensive Player of the Year with, what does he have, 16 sacks now? Like He's just been all-world. No one has really been talking about him as much. Number one ranked defense in every statistical category in the NFL. Uh, the 12 and 4 49ers, I had them at 9 and 8 this year just because I didn't believe in Trey Lance fully. I thought it was going to be a rough year for him, but I thought they would be a wild card team. I did not see them winning nine straight games, potentially 10 straight games going into the NFL playoffs. This is the hottest team in football. I am betting on them to win the Super Bowl this year with Brock Purdy. With the ghost of Jimmy G, anybody put back there, Kyle Shanahan is determined to get this team to the Super Bowl to raise the Lombardi once again. That defense is stacked, and they're healthy, and they're hungry for a, for a championship. That offense, <clears throat> Christian McCaffrey, has fit like a glove in this offense. He's the reincarnated version of Roger Craig, but just 
more juiced. He, he's more jacked than Roger Craig was. You got Debo Samuel who's going to be healthy for week 18. George Kittle is all of a sudden George Kittle of 2019. Brock Purdy's finding him in the end zone. The emergence of Brandon Ayuk. He's had multiple um, two touchdown games this season. Uh, Juwan Jennings. I don't want to forget about Juwan Jennings. That third down security blanket. If it's third and 15, who's getting the ball? Juwan Jennings. That's who. You have Elijah Mitchell. He's back from the IR practicing again. I'm excited about the San Francisco 49ers team. This team is ready. D'Amico Ryans has that defense ready to go for that number one spot. They play the Cardinals without Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, who might get fired after the season. The 49ers are getting the number one seed in the NFC. They're getting that first round bye to prepare for whoever they're going to play next. The Vikings have fallen to the number three spot at 12-4. and four Because like I said, I don't believe in the Vikings. Remember what I said before? The Packers was like, oh, the Packers play the Vikings. I'm picking the Packers to beat the Vikings. And the Vi- and the Vikings lost to the Packers last week, so I was right on that parlay pick. Uh, Packers control their own des- destiny. Speaking of the Packers, they're 8-8. Eight and eight. If they win, they're in. That's all they have to do, and they play the Lions, who are also 8-8. Eight and eight. There's a three-way tie for the seventh spot. You have the Seahawks at 8-8, eight and eight, Lions 8-8, eight and eight, and the Packers at 8-8. Eight and eight. So um, I'm not betting out. I'm not counting out Aaron Rodgers. I thought they were dead in the water early on. Uh, but they're winners of four straight. They've been putting it together somehow, some way. The defense has improved, um, and I, I just, I just think that they're the one. They're the one to make the playoffs there in the NFC. Giants have already clinched at nine and six with the sixth spot. The Cowboys have clinched twelve and four for the for the Dallas Cowboys. Winners of two straight. But Dak Prescott, we talked about Derek Carr, who he, you know, he had twenty four touchdowns, four, 14 interceptions. Dak Prescott has twenty two touchdowns, fourteen interceptions. He's been struggling a lot the last few weeks. A lot like Derek Carr throwing a lot of interceptions. So if Dak continues to struggle, the Cowboys aren't going anywhere. I don't believe in the Cowboys this year. Buccaneers are 8-8. Eight and eight. Obviously, we're scared of the Buccaneers just because of Tom Brady, but they really had a fight and claw to win the NFC South. I don't, I'm don't. i not sold on it. I'm not scared of them. 49ers just demolished them early on. Um, the Vikings, 12-4. and four, As I said, I don't believe the Vikings. 49ers, they lost the Vikings, I think, earlier this year. But, uh, oh, wait, no. I don't think they played. But I, I just think the 49ers would manhandle the Vikings and, and, and beat Kirk Cousins. Shanahan used to coach Kirk Cousins, so he probably knows his, weekend, his weaknesses. And, you know, they'll expose Kirk Cousins. Um, Giants, not scared of the Giants. This NFC is is a little weaker, I think, this year. The only team for the from the 49ers standpoint I would fear is the Eagles, but the Eagles like they need a, they don't have a healthy Jalen Hurts right now. Maybe he's healthy, he's going to play week 18. But I just I don't see it with any other team. And you know, that Eagles team, they don't have that playoff experience. So there's only like one or two players from that championship championship team and we haven't even seen them play really well in the playoffs with Jalen Hurts. You know, they had a playoff game last year against the Bucks with Jalen Hurts and they played horrible. You know, they they were that was a blowout. And um so I don't know. There's, and then Kirk Cousins, we've seen him in the playoffs, like, you know, not really achieved. The only one who's really had success in the playoffs, obviously, is Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, but this isn't that same Buccaneers team that won the championship. So even with Brock Purdy, the 49ers are winning the NFC, and I see them winning the Super Bowl because their defense throws something that the other defenses, from the other offenses that the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals can't do. Even the Bills defense, who's always good, but late in the season, late in games, they kind of falter, and they kind of give up the big plays, and they're not nearly as good as this 49ers defense, um, but that's my thoughts. So 
Let me be right this time when the San Francisco 49ers win the Super Bowl. We're closing in on an hour on this episode. I'll let you guys go. Great to talk to you. I hope you had a happy new year. And, you know, if you don't have goals for 2023, that's okay. You know, most of us just set up, set ourselves up for failure anyway. So that's fine. Just live your life. Uh, but yeah, thanks for joining me. Enjoy the sports this weekend. Championship on, uh, on Monday for college football. We have some clinching uh, week 18 scenarios in the NFL. Some great NBA matchups as well. Uh, but thanks for joining me. We'll talk uh, next week. Thank you.